Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show. Tonight is my film pick of the week, and we're going to be talking about Psycho Goreman from just this year, directed by Steve Kaskansi. I can't wait to talk about it later on in the show, but first I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, that hunky boy, the Gorky Keith. I'm the champ, baby. I'm the champ. What is going on, everybody? How is it going, sir? Champion of the universe. I guess he's okay. All right. So we're just going to move on. He just he, he got it out, and he's ready for it. So let's just cut it to the other one, the psychotic singing, the man monkey, the prince of Morris Day. Yes. Hailing from Gagax, y'all. Get funky with it. <laughs> yeah, keep it a funky, keep it a fresh. This is the Mad Monkey. Broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic where myself, lock away in my luxurious tight cell, and the Talking Terror crew bring you the best damn horror podcast there is in all of the motherfucking land. So make sure you listen live. Make sure you listen on Spotify. Make sure you listen on iTunes. We don't really fucking care. Just make sure you fucking listen. What's up, motherfucker? <laughs> hey, monkey, monkey. How do? And then we are unfortunately not joined by the demonic dean tonight. Uh, just after that thrilling episode we had last week, he decided to take the day off and uh, do some <laughs> real life stuff with his teaching and dean gig. So he won't be joining us tonight. So I will be taking over on the news desk. The horror news. So, guys, if you have anything you want to talk about before I jump into it, uh, let's roll with it. Let's see what we can do before we talk about Psycho Gorman. Unless you want to get to the trailers that we never got around to a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> like Venom. No. <laughs> I mean, we can. I mean, we have time. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk about Last Night in Soho. So, but. Yeah, I mean, you guys, obviously. I mean, is there anything, uh, you know, Marvel TV related that you guys are really just getting hard over? Or is that over for now until Loki comes out? Uh, me, I'm still on Star Wars The Bad Batch, you know, and that's about it for Marvel news. I think Ghoul until, until like the King said, Loki comes out. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, uh, I have finished off the uh, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. And, uh, you know, as far as D-plus goes, and, you know, thankfully, though, I'm also rolling in with uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series, so I'm three episodes deep into that. I actually have been catching up on some of the uh, the anime that I, uh, that I, I kind of stopped, the, the pandemic and the delays and all that shit. Um, so I finally caught up on My Hero Academia and uh, started watching a uh, different one, too, called... Uh, oh, I forget what it's called at the moment. It'll come to me in, like, an hour. I'm going to randomly just say a name and you're be like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and blurt it out, as we always do on the show. But, uh, all right, so, Monkey, you're all caught up with everything. You have nothing new that you're watching you want to talk about? 
No, no, we, we are good. Unfortunately, we are right now, like the ghoul said, we are a little bit dry in the Marvel Universe. We are in between projects. So it sucks. <laughs> I mean, we yeah, have, I, I guess it does. We have the Eternal. I'm sorry, we have the Eternals trailer. You know that dropped. Um, looking looking fairly interesting. Uh, it's definitely one of those. Uh, you know, as far as films go, it looks like it might be one that's going to almost like Doctor Strange. It's going to introduce some new mechanics to the MCU. Um, so, so looking forward to seeing that one. And, uh, I mean, obviously we have Shang-Chi, we have freaking Black Widow finally coming in like a couple weeks. Uh, that's, that's always good. Yeah, that's, that's supposed to come in. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I think, uh, July I thought that was supposed to come out, right? Unless I'm mistaken with my dates. So there we go. So that was interesting. Um, and I, uh, just finished up the four-part series on Epics called Fall River which is about the uh, late 70s, early 80s satanic panic-inspired murders that happened in Fall River, Massachusetts. Uh, it's a Blumhouse-produced uh, uh, thing, so really well-produced, really well-done. You know, I'm not going to go into the whole thing because there's a lot to unpack, but Fall River, if you're into that whole satanic panic era and you know, finding out about these grisly murders that happened in the 70s in Fall River, check it out. Definitely recommended. Full parts, hour piece, you can knock it out in a day. Cool, man. Very cool. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so uh, did you guys have a chance to watch the Last Night in Soho trailer? Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so it is the, the new film from Edgar Wright, uh, who you might you guys might know from Sean Dead and Hot Fuzz and Will's End, but also Baby Driver. Um, so he's coming out with a new movie that's kind of inspired by, I would say, uh, Dario Argento. Uh, last night in Soho, where a young girl, kind of shine alone, discovers a passageway into the 1960s, swinging 60s London, where rollerball is playing and everybody's just swinging and having a good time. But there is something underneath that surface, something of a murder mystery, where she takes on the identity of a character played by Ami Taylor-Joy from Split and various other movies. Um, I know Edgar is capable of doing something like this, so that's why I'm kind of excited it is him doing this because, like I said, very inspired by Jello, very inspired by those 60s British filmmakers like Roy Wood Baker at the time and uh, uh, John Billings, I would say, is another person he was inspired by. But it looks like a lot of fun. I just kind of hope that people get it because that's a niche kind of thing when you go into that territory of Jello and, and 60s British thrillers and uh, mysteries. Um, but that's why I wanted to get your guys' thoughts because I'm a huge fan of that. You guys know that. But I wanted to get uh, your guys' opinions. So, Ghoul, why don't you go ahead first? Uh, what do you think about that trailer? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's definitely, uh, you know, I, I think Edgar Wright. I think Shaun of the Dead. You know, I don't think uh, Baby Driver and stuff like that. Um, you know, I think of the, the Cornetto trilogy. Uh, this yeah. <laughs> is very much, you know, rooted in the... Uh, in that 60s, that 70s style vibe where it's got all of those, the, the, the lighting, the moods, the music, the, the pageantry, um, you know, all, all the artistic flourishes as far as camera angles and, and stuff like that. And it absolutely piqued my interest. I like, you know, it's funny, whereas I might not be the biggest of fans of that specific genre from its original films, 
I tend to really enjoy the newer updates that are done, you know, with, you know, with <laughs> newer directors, younger cast and stuff like that, making films in that style. Uh, maybe I don't get all the homages. Maybe I don't look at a wall and be like, oh, my God, that's the wall from, you know, the, the girl who puked on the flower when it fell off the window the one time that the bird died. Um, like, I've never seen that movie, so I don't know that reference. Um, you know, but I still enjoy what I do pick up on it as a, as a whole. And this, yeah, I, it's, it's got me. I, I cannot wait to see this flick. Especially Matt Smith showing yeah. up. Playing a definite yeah. character, but go ahead, monkey. What do you? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just like Ghoul said. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, yeah, it's just again anything where if you go back in time, you show the actual architecture. You know, I'm always talking about architecture in movies. You know, and just showing that retro architecture that's in there. You know, the big billboards. You know, excuse me, all, all of the high end fashion that's going on at the time and. A time when society still acted like society, if you will, you know, and going out to the theater meant something, you know, it it was an event, you know, and just those kinds of things. And, you know, like the ghoul was saying of just all of the grand pageantry that's involved, you know, just from what we saw in just the short, you know, two two minutes of a, a trailer, it really, really pulled me into that world. And I'm really, really hoping it's going to just keep it going. And just, you know, like you said, just a time-traveling murder mystery kind of thing. And I don't know if, like, you know, you so much want to say it's a niche thing. Like, at the same time, it could just very well fall into that weird-ass M. Night Shyamalan kind of shit. It may not so much be a Giallo thing. It might just be that weird-ass twist kind of thing. I mean, you might be right. I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see when the movie finally comes out. Uh, but... Yeah, it's just it was the, the the homages, I guess you could say. I mean, the what I loved is the freeze frame on Thomas and Mackenzie at the end of the trailer, where it freezes on her face, and then you get to hear that little buzz from the film. Like that's the only thing you can get back in the seventies, that weird kind of crackle and hiss and pop from the film. Um, so the fact that he added that in there at the end, kind of just to cap it off, I was like, he, he knows the audience he's playing to. He knows if you're seeing this movie, you like movies. You like the cinema. You like that type of era. You know, I mean, you're not just uh, going into this because you're like, ah, I'll go see it because fuck it, why not? No, like, you're going for a purpose because something drew you into it. And Edgar being the, the cinema fan that he is, I mean, the, the ghoul and I listened to that four-hour podcast he did with uh, Quentin Tarantino. Like, that was so I don't even think I could keep up with him. <laughs> I mean, I think even I would have a hard time keeping up with both of them at the same time talking about movies. Like I just I would have a great time. Don't get me wrong, but I mean the way that they talk about movies is completely different than the way I talk about movies. They they know a hell of a lot more. But um, I'm just looking forward to it and, and seeing what he comes up with because I um, I do like Edgar Wright. I mean Scott Pilgrim. I'm still a fan of that movie, even though not a lot of people like it. I did. I enjoyed it. I still enjoy Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, I still think it's a yeah, little fun movie. movie that, uh, yeah, I mean it doesn't have a lot of fans. Though, I've like noticed like it's you know. I, I don't. I feel like not enough people like it. Every time I talk to them, I'm like, "Oh, it's kind of dumb, don't you think?" I'm like, "No, it's perfect the way it is." Oh, I think you know. You, I think what you ended up with that movie, and here's the problem with that: that's the kind of film mm-hmm. where the people that read the comic um, or whatever mm-hmm. the source material was, you know, they're yeah. going to be unhappy with it because to them, it's never going to live up to what it was that their expectations were. And I think to the average moviegoer, 
for the most part. It seemed like a childish type of film. But then you had people like mm-hmm. us who kind of fall in this weird middle where we enjoy the satire and the comedy. Like, I yeah. loved, like, seriously, Kieran Culkin is fucking hysterical yeah. in that movie. He is an absolute <laughs> is, riot, yeah. okay? As, as the, the, the gay roommate, you know, happy Pride Month, everybody. But, you know, as, as the gay roommate, you know, with him... <laughs> his boyfriend, like, all the stuff that's going on, you know, and the guy's, like, his straight-up, like, booty-tapping madman, too. He's like, yo, I need you out of the apartment because, you know, I got somebody coming. And he's like, well, that's okay. I'll just, you know, stay wherever. And he's like, nah, it ain't gonna be like that. Um, you know, but, but all, the, all the little things, too, though, you know? Like, I, I, I loved Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona Flowers. But, see, for me, I had never read it, so I didn't have anything that I was coming off of for it. You know, for me, all right. of, all of these actors and actresses were those characters. I didn't have any other picture in my head for them, so you know, I get, I, I think that tends to to weigh in on something. And now, if you're thinking about that scene with uh, Karen Culkin, where he goes to the first show, uh, the concert, and the band's on stage singing that song called "I Am So Sad," and it's two seconds long, <laughs> and he goes, "No need to rush, guys." And then they go, this is for the guy in the front row. This is called I Hate You and I Hope You Die. He goes, oh, I love this song. <laughs> he says, and then he squeezes in Kendrick's boyfriend's arm, like looking at him, kind of giving him a wink. And then you find him in bed later uh, with the guy. <laughs> uh-huh. Classic. Like, it was just so much fun. But, um, the the, the yeah, bitter so sarcasm? It. It's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it was a fun Wonderful. So, yeah, I don't see why people would hate on it, but, I mean, look, teach their own. Yeah. They just, I mean, maybe they don't get it or whatever, but I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, so, yeah, speaking of Pride Month, absolutely, happy Pride Month to everybody out there. Uh, but this is going out to everybody uh, that knows me. I'm a huge fan of Fright Rags. They're actually celebrating Pride Month with a re-release of their exclusive Fangoria Rainbow logo T-shirt. But this year they're also doing a tie-dye variant, which is limited to 200 T-shirts. So the pre-orders end on June 8th. They're going to be shipping out on the 25th, so you're going to want to get those pre-orders in soon especially if you want to get that tie-dye variant. And 100% of the proceeds are going to be donated to Trans Lifeline. That's a grassroots hotline and micro-grant nonprofit organization offering direct emotional and financial support to trans people in crisis. So great charity to donate to, 100%, not even like 5%, 100% of those proceeds. So get yourself a shirt. I already did. I already ordered one the first day. So I just have to wait for it to get shipped here, you know, my, my pride shirt for representing what rags and Bangalore. So check that out. Wow. Well, I'm just going to let you all know now up to the minute, the, uh, the rainbow tie dye is sold out. So that is oh. a, uh, a nay to the nizzy. You can still get your hands on the Fangoria with the, uh, the rainbow pride style logo though. Um, so there is that still available. But, yeah, know. Obviously these things are going, so got to get out there and get them. Yeah, I definitely ordered the the, the black with the uh, the rainbow Fangoria uh, uh, logo. I can't wait to get it. I think it's so exciting and it's cool that it's going in with actual good proceeds, especially for Pride Month. You know, I mean, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what you identify as, just have fun this month and be yourself. Hail yourselves and have a great time. You know, being who you are and being your best self. That's all that we can say here on Bucky Fair. Um, yeah, man. But, Flick your beans. Yeah. Touch your mushroom. It's all good. We love you all. <laughs> It really doesn't matter. We love, do, and we love some more yourself. than others. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, I'm all about the hunky boys. I'm all about the cute girls. Whatever, man. We're all having fun. <laughs> we're 
we're not in this thing forever, so let's just get into it. But um, so moving on from that, uh, Evil Dead Rise news, uh, the upcoming reboot, if you will, of Evil Dead, which is going to be directed by Lee Cronin, who directed Hole in the Ground. It was announced that it is going straight to HBO Max, skipping the theaters altogether, going directly to HBO Max exclusively. Uh, they did release plot details, and it's going to center around two estranged sisters that have the reunion cut short when the Deadites come thrusting them into battle to survive the night as they face off against nightmarish foes of family that could be only unimaginable in the Evil Dead universe. So looks like family reunion being cut short by the Necronomicon. No Ash, by the way, as we established. There will be no Ash. There will be no – maybe there will be a Delta 88. I don't know. That would be kind of cool to have that. But definitely no Ash. But interesting that they're going straight to HBO Max. I think, honestly, that might just be the right move to make. You know, rather than risk it in the theaters, even though this isn't coming out until at least 2022. I think it's still the safe bet. Yeah, agreed, man. It's just because, again, it's like as much as we love it, you know, us horror fans, we, you know, we love Evil Dead. It is a very still cult following, you know, it hasn't really gotten out there, you know, to, to the full public where not everybody, unfortunately, does not know of the chin. Um, but I, I think this is cool that they're going this direction as well, just because we've talked about it so many times on the show that, that they've established themselves in the Evil Dead universe where you don't need action, you know, so much. You, all, all you just need to be able to do is center the storyline around the Deadites. Well, I completely agree. I mean, uh, as much fun yeah. as Bruce Campbell is, you know. Go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. No, I mean, all I was going to say is, is, you know, like, look, I really, really, really enjoy Joy 2013's movie. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I would very, very, very much like to see future installments done more in that vein than the comedic vein of, let's say, even Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Um, again, like you were saying, you know, don't get me wrong. I love Bruce Campbell. I do love his, his, his version of Ash, but it kind of wears thin mm-hmm. after a while. It's, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm all for it. I, but I just really enjoy the horror that they brought with that 2013 mm-hmm. film. It was nice watching them try to take it back to a scary place while still bringing it in with like, you know, like a metaphor to, to things that are going on in today's society. I mean, there's a lot of ways they could really go with that and, and still work with it. So and I'm, I'm guessing that this one's not going to really play up to that, but it'll be what it'll be. I don't know. Maybe after the pandemic, we'll see a, uh, a cabin fever reboot that'll uh, that'll work something like that into it. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going into the the comic vein of Evil Dead Two or Ash vs Evil Dead or Army of Darkness. It's about two estranged sisters coming together for a reunion in a high rise that gets attacked by Deadites. So there might be comedic elements in it. Who knows? But yeah, I'm with you, Ghoul. I kind of want them to keep it close to the 2013 version where there is humor, but it's very dark. And they're keeping it closer to the original version where it's just fucked up shit happening to people that really don't want to die. That's my evil death. That's why I love that first one so much. Because it's not really about comedy, it's about horror. Mm-hmm. So, that's what do you something think, we'll forward to. <laughs> I, I'm the one that started this conversation. Yeah, I agree. But again, you can. It, 
the Evil Dead universe has gotten so big where you can take it out, you know, and like you said, lots of times, school, you know, you can take it and spread it out around the world. It doesn't just have to be in one little part of the United States, you know, it it can be in other countries, you know, it can be all around. You know, the, the Deadite is not a thing that, should, you know, can just, just be located to the United States. Like, we can have stories literally all around the world of the Deadites, you know, coming up from the the dead. Yeah, oh, and that's why I, mean, I like look, the They're coming page. off a of Sumerian text, you know what I mean? The, the, obviously, whatever they were, you know, or, or whatever basis of their, their quote-unquote religion was – you know, that that could have been anywhere on the planet. It could have been everywhere on the planet. We could have we could have we could have planet of the deadites. Um, you know, and do a, a, a heavy duty all the way back prequel type of deal. Similar to Army of Darkness, but less people. Um unless Eric the Red. Uh you know, and uh, like I said, let's just uh let's just take it. You know what? I have an idea. Let's contact Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder's evil <laughs> You know what? Oh, Fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he will absolutely make a movie that will show you so many things that are going to be so fucking awesome, but then never actually do anything with any of it. But <laughs> I digress. Hey, look at that chainsaw. That's going to get used. No, it won't. But it's cool to look at, huh? <laughs> it cut that wall not... open, man. It cut that wall open. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing he did. <laughs> he cut the wall open. So yeah, at least you got to see it. You use one. Um, so I'm looking forward to it either way. This, uh, what I want to talk about next, might interest the monkey more than you, Ghoul, but I'm still going to bring it up because I found it interesting. But um, Norman Reedus, following the, the final season of The Walking Dead, has a lot of projects that he wants to work on including a series based on the 1965 exploitation classic, Faster Put to Get, Kill, Kill. You want yeah. to develop it ah. make it into a series, the original classic starring Tura Satana and two other girls as they play go-go dancers, kidnapping and murdering in the California desert. One of my favorite exploitation films. Yeah. Um, so to have Norman Reedus want to redo it? Okay, well, I, mean, I will give him benefit of the doubt. Because he's a fan, and he's talked about that movie plenty of times, where I think it might be okay. But, Monkey, I wanted to hear your thoughts. Um, no, no. <laughs> Leave it the fuck alone. <laughs> no. <laughs> if, if you're going to do it, leave the name alone. Don't bring the name into it. Go ahead and you want to sit there and do a story like, you know, another story involving these characters. Sure. You know, but don't call it Faster Pussy Cat. You know, <laughs> kill, kill. No. Uh, the original is a classic. It's a, a, a wonderfully horrible movie. Um, and it, sh- it shouldn't be touched. It's no, um, because it's so good because it doesn't try to go deep. It doesn't try to go into, you know, giving these long backgrounds of characters and, you know, why they're motivated for this and that. They're just going around doing a bunch of crazy shit. You know, that's what makes the movie fun. And it's just American filmmakers, when they get shit, they always have to go back and try and over explain shit. When it comes to redoing a classic or Godzilla movie, you know, just don't do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll give it to the ghoul. And, uh, I just want to give it over to the ghoul and see what he wants to think about it. I mean, yeah, like you kind of said, I, I, I've never seen the uh, the original. Um, so oh, I really don't my have God. Anything so much as far as, you know, anything to go on that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, that's, uh, but if it's, if it's as unique and as original as you kind of making it sound, then no, it shouldn't be touched. You know what I mean? I mean, there's some things that you can never repeat, you know, and if you can't repeat it, then you're certainly not going to be able to make it better. Um, You know, you want to do a continuation, something to that effect, I mean, go right on ahead. You know, give it its own name, give it its own identity. You know, you could do something that's homage to it without having to just simply repeat what's been done. Yes. I mean, down the same vein, it's like you might as well be trying to sit there and remake Mud Honey. Just don't do it. Leave it alone. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but but Fashion Pussycat, like, I mean, Google, watch the trailer, and you'll just get it from the trailer, what they're going for. You know, fat cars, fat women, kung fu, fighting, murder, madness. Like, that's all the trailer is, and it's amazing. Fast and the Furious. No, no, it's... (laughs) No, no, but, you know, Sora yeah. Santana, a very well-endowed actress who is just karate chopping men left and right, you know, these go-go dancers taking over men in the California desert. Um, for me, though, I, I, I'm okay with it in the sense that if it gets people to watch the original Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, like, I'm all for it because I don't think enough people know about how great that movie is. Like, it's one of Russ Meyer's, like, best movies. I don't think if it gets people to watch the original material... Then I'm all for it. Like, you know, do a, a reimagining or do a prequel. But, you know, get people to watch the original. That's what I'm yeah, all well, the, the thing about this movie was it was his, it was Russ Meyer's step, you know, from doing smut to doing yeah. better, smarter films. This, this is the movie that was that. Wait, that. better, smarter, that, that, smut, you mean. <laughs> this is what he did. <laughs> Come on. You're still also talking about the same guy that, you know, did one of my personal favorites, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. You know, so, so yes, mm-hmm. yeah. is, it, is it a smart film? Absolutely. Is it still a smut film? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so maybe, I mean, maybe that's the one thing that you could take and say, hey, you know, here's a film that in its own way, in its own time, was like a product of what was then the woman's, you know, woman's lib, the woman's revolution. Why don't we now update to what today's version of that looks like? So that I can mm-hmm. see somebody doing, you know, making something that's truer to today's Me Too woman, you know, the, the, uh, an empowered woman of two, 2021, not, you know, the over-sexualized empowered woman of 1965 or whatever year it was. Mm, true. Um, but if you do that, you get 2019's Black Christmas which is such a bad, bad film. Um, you get that Me Too thing in Black Christmas, and that's just if it's done heavy-handed. Like, I, I agree with you, Ghoul. I think, you know, making a modernized Fancy Pussycat with that Me Too movement kind of feeling behind it would be great. But just don't be so heavy-handed with the message. You, know, you can oh. still make it fun, but still make it about, like, females, like, taking over in the California desert with fat cars and, and kung fu kicks and robbing banks and just being hot and sexy and in charge. You could do that like without making it like anger is evil, you know? That's proof. You know, I thought that's yeah, proof did a great job of yeah. showcasing strong female characters that, yeah. you know, were still attractive, 
they were still fun. Like, you know, they seemed like the kind of girls that you'd love to meet somewhere and, you know, you'd have a, a great time, but you also know that if you say something out of the wrong, you know, out of the wrong side of your mouth, you're probably going to get popped. Um, <laughs> you may like it. You may not. Um, they may not. They may like it. They may not. Who knows? Um, she'll crack you back. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I get it too. But you know, like let's say, well, like even like I haven't seen that uh, the 2019. Uh, Black Christmas yet. You know, it's funny you mentioned it because I was actually earlier today, I was looking through whatever sales were on Xbox from the uh, 2004, 2006, whatever, whatever year that remake came out was uh, up for sale at the moment. Oh, uh, and it made me think, and it made me think about the 2019 one. Um, but in particular, I get that maybe you didn't enjoy it and maybe guys in general didn't enjoy it, but how does the female audience feel about that movie? It was pretty even, I think. Um, I had seen a couple of females talk about it, and they liked the writing, and they, they liked the general aesthetic. But overall, it just it kind of failed in making it a fun movie. Like, you're, it's, a, it's supposed to be a slasher. Execution. Film, but in the, tra- in the trailers, you give away the killers. Like, you give away the whole twist of what, what's going on. So already it's kind of spoiled. So then you kind of go into the movie looking for some fun, and it's just... You know, it's such a heavy message of, of Me Too and how men are disgusting and now they have black blood and, you know, they are vile creatures. And it's just, it, it was just a lot for a, a slasher. Yeah, monkey. <laughs> it's wrong area to, to do that in, but, you know, I'll have to dig further to see if I can find more more reviews of that film because for the majority, I see very little. And it was just, it was okay. It's an okay movie. I prefer the original. I prefer 74 which general consensus is always going to be the 74 version is superior. Even though I did have fun with the 2006 version, it's not very good, but that's just going to that movie because you want to see people die. Like, just throw away the plot, throw away the suspense. You want to see, you know, co-eds in a sorority getting butchered by a crazy madman uh, and his offspring. I mean, that's, if you watch it that way, then it's actually kind of fun. But if you don't want to compare it to the 74, which actually is more about suspense than yeah, that. But, um, Worth checking either of them out just to kind of get your own opinion about it. So that's uh, from that end aspect of that's a push get kill kill. Um, are you you guys know John Steinbeck, right? Author of Grapes of Wrath, East of Eden, the yeah, Man, a book you probably read in high school. You know, one of those books that you had to read in high school that you didn't really feel like reading, but you had to write a report on it. Um, Dude, that's one of the book is amazing. I don't care for it. I mean, <laughs> um, of Mice and Men, it's okay. I mean, Grapes of Wrath, I would prefer over. Of mice and men, but that's you know I just I never found any of this stuff really interesting. But uh, it came out last week that he actually wrote a werewolf novel in 1930 that was rejected for publication for just being too violent and too visceral for the time. Uh, it was about 233 pages that was uncovered, um, and the transcript was almost in pristine condition. Um, the estate has really no plans to release it at this time because they feel like, what's the point? I think that they should. Um, if you want to know the plot of it, it's set in a fictional California coastal town. The title of the book being Murder of Full Moons tells the story of the community gripped by fear after a series of gruesome murders take place under a full moon. Investigators fear that a supernatural monster has emerged from the nearby marshes. Its characters include a cub reporter, a mysterious man who runs a local gun club, and an eccentric amateur sleuth who sets out to solve the crime using techniques based on his obsession with pulp detective fiction. I would read that fucking novel today <laughs> that was put on the bookshelf. That just sounds like fun. Plus, it's 1930s. 
that makes it even more exciting for me. But unfortunately, I don't think it's ever going to see the light of day, but it's one of those things where I kind of wish it was. I'm a sucker I mean, for why not put it why, why, why not put it out there? I mean, you, you, you got Steinbeck's name on it. You know, you, you get it out there. You know, get some fresh readers into his work. And, you know, what have you really got to lose? You know, if anything, just throw that motherfucker on the yeah. handle. You know, and uh, I mean, see if people yeah. bite. No pun intended. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. But you know, you give me <laughs> that book compared to a book about the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl. Like, I'm picking the werewolf novel. I don't want to read the Great. There's no grapes in this movie. There's no grapes in this book. <laughs> I mean, you know, nothing. Like, know, it's, just, it's just I don't know. I just I never. It's just always so boring. John Steinbeck. He's always just so depressing with all his books. Like, even East of Eden, like just. You know, I guess back then they had nothing to look forward to because it was just a sad time, depression, you know, and not having a lot of money and going around. So not a lot to look forward to. But, but come on. John I think there was snapshots into into a, a, a strange reality in a way. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, mm-hmm. there, there are windows into a time that we're never going to experience ourselves. You know, the only way we're ever going to experience it is through writing like that and through, you know, filmmaking from that era. You know, I, I think it's still near impossible for somebody, you know, in 2021 to accurately, you know, show us what life was like in 1915. You know, it's, it, they didn't live it. All they have are pictures and stories. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that, that's, that's, that's a big thing right there. But, yeah, I know it sounds uh, sounds mm-hmm. interesting. I don't know. I think from from what he's done already, I, I kind of enjoyed. What, that's probably why it'll never get released because if it's bad, you know, people are going to be like, uh, "Yeah, this is why it didn't come out." But you know what? It'll probably sell a buck, a couple million dollars, and his family's estate will love it, so they should put it out. Yeah, the way I mean, to go. Put it out. Yeah, release the stud that cut. <laughs> the werewolf novel. Hashtag. Zach Steinbeck cut. cut. Steinbeck's book. Yeah. It'll make it yeah. better. So, the the Snyder Steinbeck I mean, cut. Zach Snyder. At least you know John, Steinbeck novel. Give it to Joss Whedon. He'll fix the mustaches, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Digitally improved. Um, so... You know, we're we're going back to court now with this piece of news because, as we know about the Friday 13th lawsuit that's been ongoing forever and a fucking day, and also the Hellraiser dispute that was going on with Clyde Barker, well, now the blob is in court. Everybody knows what? that gelatinous and more thing uh, that took over theaters in the 50s and then in the 80s, and they had a Beware the Blob movie in the 70s. Well, apparently, there's two producers by the names of Richard Saperstein and Brian Whitten. And they've spent $418,000 combined developing a blob remake after acquiring the options for that original sci-fi classic. Um, This is back in 2009, okay? So we're cutting to 12 years later, and they seem to need more time getting that option for the rights because the duo is having a hard time getting the rights from Worldwide Entertainment Corporation, which is run by Judith Harris, whose late husband owned the indie studio when that original was made and acquired by that studio. So the duo are now in L.A. Superior Court suing to retain the rights. They claim that Harris orally agreed to an extension and then failed to put it in writing, despite multiple emails and even a $50,000 offer. And if a judge doesn't recognize this as an oral agreement, they're falling back on the claim that COVID-19 represents a force majeure 
event that prevented them from attempting to produce the picture, and as a result, the extension term must be told through the present date. So they are going to end up falling on the excuse of, well, COVID happened, so we couldn't get the rights. But of all, you know, the the, uh, the franchises and all the pictures that we have, the blob is currently uh, in center stage in L.A. Superior Court because there's two producers <laughs> out there that want to make a name. Wow. I mean, because you, you can just get the DVD for five bucks somewhere with the original one. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's it's like Night of the Living Dead. You know, you, you can get it anywhere at the dollar store now. <laughs> it come Halloween time. I think they give you, give you a free copy of it when you go into any store. I think they just give it to you. Like, you don't have to, like, buy it. They're just like, here, you want a copy of The Blob? Okay, cool. Why not? I mean, I'm a huge fan <laughs> of the funny. 80s version of that movie. I thought that was uh, fantastic. You know, fantastic. Oh, I love shot it. Of the 1980s. Um, and a lot of fun. Funny, and, and, you know, I just, uh, Shorty Smith is so hot. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's <clears throat> kind of weird. I just think, like, in today's, like, society, like, is there really room for a new, updated version of the blob? I mean, are we getting that with, like, Venom and shit like that? <laughs> Isn't that really what that is? No, no, we, we we know we no no we need the fucking sequel to the fucking eighties version because they left us with that, a fucking cliffhanger. That that's what we fucking need. Yes, yeah. Mhm. Yeah, if that's yeah, the route they're going, yeah, I one hundred percent support that without a doubt, man. I want to see that preacher preaching the word of God while trying to take over the world with his little baby blob. Yeah, it was awesome. It was such a great way to end it, and I always kept waiting for the sequel. I was like, it's going to happen. Like, wait a year or two. This movie is going to fucking just do amazing numbers at the box office and end up, we need another one. And then it just never happens. Like, it just, ah. I watch that, that ending now, and I'm like, we never got one. We never got a sequel. You know, and I think, you know, now more than ever, make it. Like, you know, Shawnee Smith, I'm sure, would be down for it. Kevin Dillon's not doing it. He's waiting for Entourage Part 2. That's never going to happen. <laughs> get him to do the blog, dude. You know, get the hair back. <laughs> Johnny Drama, get him back. But, um, so, yeah, it's just the fact that they spent $418,000, you know, to get the rights to this thing back in 2009. Then they just kind of sat on it for 12 years going, well, I guess she's never going to give us the rights. So, uh, <laughs> let's just go to court. Like, and then we'll, we'll just, like, we'll say that we had, a, we had an agreement that wasn't written down or anything like that. We offered her 50000 you know, but now she's saying, I don't know. Like, <laughs> And we'll just blame COVID. We'll just say COVID made it happen. Yeah, COVID you know, because COVID, <laughs> yeah, COVID lasted 12 years in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's never going to go away. <laughs> but you know, in Hollywood, it's just going to take over. So I just thought that's kind of interesting that now the blob is, is sitting on the, the, you know, on the witness stand going, I don't know who my family is. I don't know who owns me anymore. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> I don't know who my real ago. dad is. Nobody knows you know the trouble I see. Nobody knows my sorrow. Um, so, yeah, yeah, she, 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 she's a hey, she's a base. Who knew? <laughs> um, and uh, we've been talking about it recently. The Toxic Avenger reboot that's going to be directed by Megan Blair. You know, with the support of Wood Coffin and Trauma Entertainment. They have added a new cast member to the list, aside from Peter Dinklage and, and Taylor Page and Jacob Tremblay. Elijah Wood has joined the cast now to play the villain of Trollmaville. 
for the upcoming Toxic Avenger reboot, which I think is, is that great would be, because, uh, you know, I, I, I do a lot that of That would be awesome. Wood, so. <laughs> he is perfect. <laughs> to play the villain, yes, I, I agree. So I'm very excited to see uh, what Elijah Wood can bring to the table because I, I honestly, I really began to appreciate Elijah Wood when I saw the Maniac remake uh, a couple years ago. That really blew me away by how good he actually can be. Um, I mean, I've seen the Lord of the Rings movies, and I know you guys love it, and it's got a ton of fans. But for me, once I saw that Maniac remake, and I saw that he could just completely become unhinged and be a psychopath, and the way that it was filmed in, in first person um, was brilliant. So, yeah, I became a Roger Wood fan after that. Then I found out that he's a huge fan. He, he, did it well as, he did it well as Kevin in Sin City. You know, um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I've been a fan yeah, of right. angelic voice. He was a kid, you know. You're talking Radio Flyer or whatever. Yeah, whatever that baby was. And then, uh, the, the Good North. Son, you know, there's a whole lot of lot of flicks with him, man. He's oh, the like Good one son, of those yeah. was, He was uh, close enough in age to me where I uh, I enjoyed watching him and was able to kind of like put myself like in those those scenarios. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, but as Kevin and yeah, Maniac, he was fantastic. And that was that was a much better movie than it definitely I expected it to be. Right, like I and I had no expectation for Maniac either. I mean, I love the original William Lustig film. I had no expectations going into the remake. I wasn't sitting there with my arms folded, going, "This is gonna suck. This is gonna be terrible." Like I just went into it just to see what they were gonna do, and I was like, "Oh wow, they're doing first person." Like, you're never going to see him except for, like, mirror shots. I was like, that is pretty original, and I liked it. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And then, yeah, like, you brought up Gold Radio Flyer. Like, that movie can only happen in the 90s. That movie was just so fucking twisted enough to only come out in the 90s, kind of like Jack the Bear with Danny DeVito. I don't know if you remember that movie. Yeah. Where he played a yep. horror team show host. And then Gary Sinise was a Nazi that was next door and kidnapped, you know, uh, little Gage Creed. <laughs> you know, like, I I can't remember the actor's name off the top of my head. I'm I'm having a blank, but yeah, um, yeah. That it's like the only time that could happen is in the '90s. It's like it's kind of a kid-friendly movie, but at the same time, it's really fucked up. <laughs> so it's okay. Like, yeah, I have no problem watching Vincent D'Onofrio beat the fuck out of his two kids, and then they fly off in a fucking uh, wagon at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's a '90s. <laughs> That's all. It's a '90s. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 90s, guys. We're all going to be okay with this. It's all going to be fine. Look, here's Tom Hanks. He's going he's gonna to narrate this thing. See? Everybody loves Tom Hanks. Like, we're all going to be okay. <laughs> okay, Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah, he's a remake of Radio Flyer. Zack Snyder. Radio Flyer. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, wow, okay, he's tackling this one now. <laughs> you like Zack Snyder's uh, The Sandlot, the Snyder Cut of The Sandlot. No, no. <laughs> oh, come on. If you make it black and white, it would be artistic. It would be a lot of fun. You're killing me, You're killing me, small. It would be artistic <laughs> and fun. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. I still, I, I still love that fucking movie. <laughs> I love Sandlot. Are you kidding me? I watch it anytime it's on. I love Sandlot. Those are classic, you know. 
Um, I remember I saw that movie in theaters, and I loved it back then. It was very cool. But that was that was the actual family-friendly version of the movie, not like Jack Bear or Radio Flyer. It's like, you know, it's going to sit and be for a while, like we talked about. But, you know, or The Mighty Ducks, which has a lot of problems in and of itself. But, and that's just because I listened to a podcast man. that... No, 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 no. Like I said, I just finished Game Changers, bro. Mighty Ducks is an awesome freaking film. You know, that's... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm messing with you. I don't, used to. Don't it's just when you think show. about some of the things that happen in the movie, like the, the limo driver suddenly becoming the videographer yeah. for all these little kids and just standing at a distance going, that's right. <laughs> all right. Get that goal. No, okay. no, what was no what what was screwed up is when they sit there and uh, marketed kangaroo jack to children, and you found out it was actually a bunch of dr- uh, drug dealers that were you know trying to chase the two main characters of the movie. And you bring your kids to this, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> but it had a cartoon kangaroo. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, it, and, yeah. you know, and that was the 2010, no excuse. Yeah, I was just it saying, was the 90s anymore. 2002, 2003, man. Wow, yeah, something like that. Had I mean, yeah, again, that movie should have been in the 90s where you could get away with anything. I mean, just anything goes in the 90s, you know, because your kids will go see it. It's fine. Dude, we I mean, freed really the table, my favorite in movie. the 90s, okay? Yeah. Oh. And that was, That's yeah, awesome. that was something, you know? I mean, back in the 80s, I was a huge fan of the movie Firstborn, where Peter Lowell was an abusive stepfather. He just beat the fuck out of his kids and did cocaine. And when I was a kid, whenever I got upset, I was like, put on Firstborn, I want to watch it to calm down. No idea why, but for some reason, Peter Lowell was doing rails of cocaine with Terry Gar and beating his kids that aren't really his kids. I loved it. I was like, and plus, Robert Downey Jr. had a cameo in that. <laughs> so I don't know why, you know, that movie, but again, it was the 80s, so it was even more slack where you could get away with watching RoboCop as a kid and really not get in trouble because RoboCop had a good message, don't do drugs, and it's evil. <laughs> uh, dude, that movie was so fucked up, man. That was one of those that you watched <laughs> as a kid and you were like, dude, I can't believe my parents are so fucking retarded that they don't realize what this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> That's like sucking. Oh, look, there's Miguel Ferrer doing rounds of cocaine off a stripper's asshole. <laughs> That's cool. Hey, Mom, yeah, I'm going to rent RoboCop again. Okay, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll make popcorn. I like that movie, too. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> going to go down to the basement and watch it, okay? They'll come down for an hour and a half. Yeah, see, that's the thing for me. I, I, I was one of those kids where, like, you know, for the most part, my, my parents – you know, couldn't care less what it was that I was watching. You know, as long as it wasn't porn, we were perfectly fine. And even that was acceptable every now and again, as long as it was animated. As you know, I was a really young kid when I saw Fritz the Cat for the first time, man, and it was like, whoa, <laughs> cartoons can have sex. This is great. Oh jeez, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Oh the the crap that they threw into Fritz the Cat. It's just. It is definitely the orgy a, a in the period. bathtub at the beginning of the movie. I'm like, I yeah, have no with idea the, with the college chick watching. <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. I'm like, you know, like, again, I'm a little kid, so for me, I'm just like, wow, look at this cat. What's he doing? Oh, those girls have boobs. Holy shit! 
Yeah, but then at, at the very end when he was, he was trying to learn about interracial uh, um, sex and um, the, the the black cats wanted nothing to do with the him because of his little dick. The, the, the big black girl in the bus. Boots were everywhere, man. He was running through a freaking puddle of her titties. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, yeah, you can't do nothing with this. <laughs> and then look at the go from that to when I was a kid, I didn't see Fritz the Cat until I was much older, but fucking Howard the Duck for the first time. And you get oh, boobs, and then you get Leah Thompson fucking a duck, and it's like, okay, this is fine. Like, it's, he's funny, though. Like, he, he has jokes, and, and it's, it's cool because it's funny. We're and it's a Lucas film. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the content, yeah. I'll tell you now, as a little kid, oh, yeah. I had, I, mm-hmm. that went so far over my head. Like, again, yeah. Howard the Duck was, what, 85? So I was like yeah. six going on seven when that came out. Or I was seven going, it was one or the other, but I had no idea what a condom was. You know what I mean? So, like, like I remembered when she pulled out, when he pulled out the play duck at the beginning of the movie, and I was like, ooh, ooh he's looking at duck boobies. You know, or the duck boobs, or the woman in the bathtub. Like, all that I completely got. But when she opened his wallet and pulled out that tiny little freaking, you know, that egg-shaped freaking uh, condom, yeah, I had no idea what the fuck that thing was. You know, oh, Howard. No. <laughs> like, okay, lady. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I didn't care about it. like any any interspecies shit. I was just like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> let's let's look at our girl here, <clears throat> just you know, get, getting down to her pink little lingerie, and I was just like, yeah, I'm digging it. <laughs> I'll yeah, I, I had known Leah Thompson from freaking. Uh, I mean, obviously, she's she's some kind of wonderful. I, I knew her from Jaws three. For that, yeah, oh, yeah. I had seen Howard the Duck in theaters, but I had seen Jaws 3 already uh, because we were huge Jaws fans. And, like, you know, like in that movie, it was like, you know, wow, man, she's so hot. And then this movie was like, holy shit, she's a star. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. See, because I knew her from, uh, from Space Camp. So. <laughs> yeah, dude. Space Camp I just shared the link for that the other day in one of the groups that I'm in. There is a full free version of that movie on YouTube if you ever want to watch it. Uh, I watched it just a couple months ago, man, and it is still a very yeah. fun movie to watch. Yeah, it's definitely yeah man, it, it, it's still that. good. Yeah, still holds up. You know, it doesn't really age much. And, and plus, anytime you see Leah Thompson, I'm all in for it. I mean, America's sweetheart, you know, and it's so hot. And Kelly Preston? <laughs> are you kidding me? Leah Thompson and mm-hmm. Kelly Preston both Oof. at like the hottest yeah. point like that, that they had at that age range. Yeah. It, it was, and also E.G. Daly. I keep forgetting what E.G. Daly. I used to have a huge crush on E.G. Daly from Valley Girl and she was in the Blob remake too. With, um, you know, I was the girl that was almost date raped, you know, um, in the car. And so the Blob oh. sucked out her boob. <laughs> took over the guy's hand. You're such, you're so. such a weirdo, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's such a memorable scene because he's like, hey, baby, oh, man, you feeling okay? I'm going to put my hands down your shirt one button at a time, babe. And all of a sudden, oh, my God, what's happening, baby? And then, oh, <laughs> come on, right out of the pit. Oh, man. It's a fat moment up until that point, you know what I mean? You're like, all right, oh, yeah. sexy time, and then it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Look what happened. Yeah. Oh, no. It killed my girl. 
I, I just, I, I love it. I mean, I might have to watch it again sometime. Um, but speaking about George A. Romero, uh, that uh, webinar that I attended back in February, uh, I brought up to you guys Jack Around the Joe, the uh, found footage film that he had made in yeah. 1994 in, at the University of Florida, kind of lost the time. Like, nobody really knows where it is. They found some footage of it that's in the archives now. Well, this past week, Adam Charles Hart of the University of Pittsburgh Library Studies program found uh, a number of reels for Jack Around the Joe. He found nine reels total. A couple of them were badly damaged, and you can't really see anything with it, but there are six reels of negatives that survived that are in pristine condition. So as of right now, cool. the object is to preserve those uh, reels the best way that they can and hope to eventually show Jack Around the Joe, the 17-minute short that he had made down in Florida back in 1994, uh, to the people, you know, fans of George, like we are. You know, get to see that 17-minute short that never saw the light of day because, as you guys know, on June 8th of this month, we're getting the amusement park, the George A. Romero PSA about ageism uh, that uh, is getting some positive reviews that I've been seeing on uh, Bloody Disgusting and other sites. That uh, This uh, little short PSA, it's about an hour long. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. I know I can't wait and might even be my next pick for the show. I don't know. Depends on uh, what I think about it when I, I see it. But uh, be sure to check that out if you have Shutter on June 8th. The amusement park, the long lost George A. Romero PSA will be available. Cool, man. Um, let's see. Okay, this is what I'm going to go out on because I want to talk about the movie tonight, obviously. But uh, on the indie horror scene, there is a movie in development that we could actually contribute to Indiegogo for called Kilgore and the Grizzly Abyss, which is being considered a love letter to the 80s war to a practical gore and monster puppets, directed by Mason Newton DeRushney. The plot follows the death of his people by the order of evil King Tath, Kilgore, and his band of fellow surviving barbarians set out to get revenge and behead the evil king. Succeeding in their quest with the king's head in possession, the gang flees the kingdom with the king's soldiers close behind. But before they can escape, the barbarians plummet into a gigantic underground wasteland filled with horrific creatures that must slaughter to stay alive. Will they find a way out, or will they find deeper darkness among the carnage of the abyss? An evil kingdom, bloodthirsty barbarians, grotesque creatures of all shapes and sizes, and buckets of blood and guts. Kilgore and the Grizzly Abyss is sure to deliver with a little help from the audience. So this project is currently live on Indiegogo with a $5,000 goal. Um, you can check out the pitch video that I put on to the Talking Terror page, which features tonight's director, Steve Kostansky, director of Psycho Gorman, basically telling you guys this is something that you want to dedicate yourselves to if you like 80s and you like gore, you like puppets, you like blood. This is the one for you. It sounds like an it sounds like an anime dungeon crawl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. I'll take your word for it, but it just sounds like you know a dark fantasy. And <laughs> He's cool, got it? Because <laughs> I'm right now I'm watching Goblin Hunter for my anime fix. So yeah, it definitely sounds like that. <laughs> sure, why not? I'll I'll go with that, <laughs> but. I just thought I wanted to bring that up in case any of you Demon listeners Slayer. out there are. That's what I started watching. Okay. I started watching Demon Slayer. You were right, right on the mark, right now. But um, so yeah, if any of you guys want to donate to uh, Kilgore and see it get made, you can go to the Talking Terror Facebook page and click the link for the Indiegogo. Um, I just thought it was kind of cool to see that Kostansky, who directed Psycho Gorman, is kind of behind the project as well and, and trying to get the support 
um, because indie horror is always something that we should always be supporting because major studios, of course, you want to support them, but, you know, it's the indie guys. You know, they're trying to get their voices heard, um, and I think that's what's most important. So that's what I'm most excited to talk about tonight, Psycho Gorman. Like I said, directed by Steve Piscanti, because he is one of those voices that you might not know of, you know, at home. Uh, maybe you're not familiar with Astron 6. Uh, they did a movie called The Editor, which we had covered on the show previously. Uh, they also did a movie called The Void, uh, which I think is a fantastic throwback to 80s horror, supernatural, demonic type film. Um, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Psycho Gorman. So the plot of the movie is siblings Mimi and Luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien warlord. Using man- a magical amulet, they force the monster to obey their childish whims and accidentally attract the rose gallery of intergalactic assassins to small town suburbia. So I picked this movie because I had seen it on demand when it first came out digitally back in February, and I fell in love. Like, I already knew I was going to like it from the trailers, but seeing it as a whole, it just reminded me so much of what I loved as a kid, being a combination of horror, a little bit of, of sci-fi, but also kind of that the kids having to fight something. You know, maybe not directly, but indirectly. Um, and I just, I love that aesthetic, like the Monster Squad and the Goons and movies like E.T. and Mac and Me, even through a lesser extent, because I'm not a big fan of Mac and Me, but um, those type of movies, <laughs> I'm just a fan of. And I thought that Psycho Gorman was like the R-rated version of E.T. Like, what if E.T. can Earth, but instead of E.T. eating all the Reese's Pieces and being so chill, he just wanted to kill everything in sight and dominate the world. That's kind of what you get with Psycho Gorman. PG, for sure. But uh, that's my thoughts on that, so I'm going to give it to the ghoul first. Uh, what do you think about Psycho Gorman? You know, I had, like, extremely, unfortunately, I had really, really, really high expectations for this movie. Um, and, like, I mean, like, probably higher than they should have been. Uh, and mm-hmm. I can thankfully say that I like Hunky Boys. Um, this was a very fun, very, very entertaining romp through, like you said, it's, it's very much a, an 80s, like if this movie had come out in the 80s when I was a kid, this probably would have been like my favorite movie for easily like a oh, year. Yeah. Um, you know, like this is, is precisely the kind of stuff that I loved watching. Uh, a little bit of gore, a little bit of fun, had some kids in it, you know, like uh, somewhat relatable. I mean, I wasn't a heavy metal, angry young girl. Um, you know, I think 80s wise, you know, that, that was the kind of sister that was always like a villain. Um, and the kid, he was uh, a little bit too much of a wimp. Uh, for for my particular taste at that time frame, but for now, nostalgia wise, yeah, I loved every stinking minute of this movie. Uh, I just had way too much fun watching it. There's really not much else I can say at this point. Awesome. All right. So, Bucky, what do you think about Psycho Gorman? Yeah, I said it before on this year. I'm going to say it again. This the diva, the diva broke it down. This movie is a perfect blend of Power Rangers meets Guar in the '90s. All right. <laughs> um, it's just they nailed down that 90s feel, um, that that Nickelodeon goosebumps, you know, D- Disney TV feel. Because um, you see no cell phones, you see no computers. Um, most of the TVs are older TVs. You know, it's – and there's just lots of fun gore, um, very, 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 little, very little cursing. 
and absolutely no nudity. So it's a great family-friendly horror movie. <laughs> you have no problem with gore. Um, and it's just on, the, on top of that, it's like they make their own version of fucking Calvin Ball. So, again, tap into the 90s here. <laughs> it's just – it's a fun, fun movie with fun practical effects. Uh, and they, this movie knows exactly what it wants to be, and it isn't trying to take you down another path. It, it knows where it wants to go. And you just need to just enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kostansky knows exactly, you know, what he's doing when he made this movie. Just throwing you back to that 90s era. Um, you know, like you said, not using curses. Instead, it's like frig and heckin'. Like, it's not fucking hell and ass. Like, you know, it's, a, it's its own, like, you know, universe. And I love Mimi because she is such an adorable asshole. Like, you want to hate her, but at the same time, you're like, she's just a kid. And, you know, she knows that her brother's a pussy. So she's going to take advantage of him whenever she can and just enjoy the time that she has and holding on to this gem and controlling Psycho Gourmet. Like, it's just fun for her. Yeah, but she's also a fucking psychotic bitch who wants to rule the world. You know, she, she's not this with, yeah, with a cute little huggable thing, man. She wants to rule the world, <laughs> like, you know, with an iron fist. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, she wants to bury the brother alive. There's never a matter with this kid that you're sitting there thinking, oh, well, she's got a, you know, a heart of gold somewhere buried in that hard exterior. <laughs> nah, man, she is just mean. She's mean from the start, and she's mean at the end, and you know what? I love the fact that she stayed true to the character the whole time. <laughs> she's fucking evil. <Yeah. laughs> you know, and I, I love the dynamic of the parents, too. I thought that, you know, Craig, the father... But Adam Brooks was so funny every time he was on screen because he's just such a lazy little asshole. Like when he hurts his hand and then the hole is exploded <laughs> after like a woman escapes. I guess somebody's going to have to do this. Uh, I vote not me. And since I'm the head of this family, <laughs> I say you guys. <laughs> yeah. Then he purposely hurts himself, uh, so he can't do it. Yeah, again, I think this is tapping into that 90s feel of the women's – empowerment, you know, um, and then, you know, this is like around the time of Lifetime Channel coming up, you know, showing how, you know, men are weak, you know, men aren't these big buff things, you know, and here we have, yeah, th- this, you know, slacking example of a man who can't even fucking cook chicken. In the microwave. <laughs> I wonder when the when the the mother opens up the microwave and all the shit's in there and she's like, oh my god, like you're not even gonna clean that out and he's like, thank you, you're welcome. <laughs> he's just, I cooked and I made a meal for my family. <laughs> you're welcome. Like his delivery was so deadpan every time he had to say something. Like when he's talking about being in the war, he's like, yeah, we played guns when I was in the army, killed a lot of people in Iraq. <laughs> table. Um, <laughs> I just I, I love that dynamic, um, and yes, you're finding the gem underground that Psycho Gorman's buried in, and they automatically know how to take it out. You know, of course, it's 90s logic. The kids press a bunch of buttons and they can get the thing out. <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I love that logic of it. There's no explanation. Just you know, press a couple of buttons and it's out, and Psycho Gorman is released. And the first thing he does is go to the advantage of that. I mean, it's as easy as it gets, dude. It's a formula across the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it works for this. 
it works because you don't, it doesn't matter right, that they did it. You know, it's just, you have to have a way to have Psycho Gorman show up. And for him to show up in that abandoned shoe factory where the three bums are like, you know, rob people. And he's like, well, I found a picture frame, threw in that frame. Come on, he's just weak. He's better than that. And Master Effects doing the effects with the, the head popping off of the two bums. It was great, practical. You could tell the blood spurting was not CGI. It was all real. But the one, uh, the one guy that gets the line of "I don't want to die," then you'll live forever. And the next time you see him, he's frozen in time. His face is half melted, and his eyes are rolling in the back of his head over and over and over again. Like he's stuck in this hell landscape that he can never escape from. It's, it's Gorman's masterpiece. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I took that as a, I, I took that as a little nod to Warlock. Mhm. Yeah, I can definitely see why you take that as that, but it's, uh, Psycho Gorman, the Archduke of Nightmares, you know, and he's the culture <laughs> artist, you know, and that's what he goes by. No, no, that doesn't work. It's kind of boring. You got to think of a better name for you. <laughs> and then just to have him just standing there in the background. Well, they try to figure out a name for him. <laughs> like, you're, not, you're not impressed by this thing, and then when Luke bumps into it and knocks it over, my masterpiece. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you see the mouth and go, thank you. And the, and the head <laughs> just like just just smooshes. I love it. You know, again, like you know, there's, there's some practicals involved here. Like when he said, like you know, you're gonna live forever. I obviously knew it was gonna do something messed up. But, like, you know, like, obviously, I'm going to spend the next couple of minutes trying to figure it out and wonder. Like, I saw things explode. I thought maybe they were going to go the route of, like, you know, something like what you might see in Wishmaster, where he's going to be, like, a, a picture on the wall or something to that effect. But, yeah, this, this melted mass of just, just weirdness with the eyeballs just flipping around. And, yeah, it was just fucking completely bizarre. Yeah, I, I totally dug it. It was something out of Hellraiser, you know? It was. Yeah, Hellraiser and like the, the monkey said Warlock. Um, so we, they come up with the name Psycho Gorman, or PG for short, um, and they're just going to leave him. <laughs> we'll be back in the morning. Bye! <laughs> and he just is forced to sit there. <laughs> He's forced to sit there in the dark until they come back because she has the gem that controls him. Um, and all he wants is to have it back. But, of course, she can control him. So clap your hands. Run and play. Like, all these things that he doesn't want to do, master of evil, I think to that on this girl. Like I said, Psychopath is enjoying it now that she has it. Um, but we also get interested to the Planetary Alliance, which is like the Power Rangers moment of the movie, where you have all these different creatures, all different shapes, all different sizes. But they were also <laughs> yeah, all I love cool the, the one the, the glass. Yeah, they were so like, cool. Uh, all of them were. Like I mean, yeah. Like, here's a low-budget film, you know, like, and here's a, you know, a, a director who's, who's working his ass off to, like, build a realistic universe with, like, backstories but not having too much time to tell them. So he's giving you all this, like, quick stuff, these quick references, but the creature designs are really cool. Like, there's stuff that you would have seen in, like, sci-fi television series from, like, you know, England back in, like, like Doctor Who. Like, that's what it looks like. It yeah. looks like mm-hmm. something out yeah. of Doctor Who from, like, the 70s and the 80s. Um, yeah. You know, so, so, like, yeah, I'm loving every minute of this. It's, like, world-building completely. And even though it's like these little bits and pieces, you're not getting all that much, it was still enough. 
Yeah. And on mm-hmm. top of that, it's like once we once we get the you know the alliance here and we're figuring out who they are, then we're realizing they're the ones who, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, trapped Psycho Gorman. But then we're also immediately realizing they're not the good guys either. They're just as no. fucked up and twisted as our menace in the movie, especially the yeah. fucking Templars. <laughs> yeah, and then you have Pandora, you know, the noble warrior of the Templars. You know the the enemy of PG. Um, you know the 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 design alone on on Pandora is amazing. You know with the wings coming out of her eyes and then the wings on her back and just you know having this full you know form fitting suit. But it's the fact that they, when you find out that yeah yes absolutely she's like, like, right like out she's of super power rangers like that I'm getting I'm getting flashbacks. I was waiting for fucking uh, <laughs> Jargon or Zardon or whatever the hell his name was Zordon. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's like the big blurry head. Yeah. You know, the big blurry head. But like the, the monkey had said, it's the fact that they are fucked up and they are evil in their own rights, and Psycho Gorman is just more evil than they are. So that's why they want to retrap him. But it's the fact that they find out that he's on Earth he's and that humans. <laughs> I know. As we find out, so that's what they're talking about is how evil he is compared to they are, and that's why they have to retrap them because he's going to come for them. But finding out that humans are on this planet that he is, and they bring in the the, the woman. Oh, don't worry, human, you'll be fine. No need to worry. And then they automatically trap her in this Hellraiser cube, just covered in blood, <laughs> and pulsing, which I love the fact yeah. that it was pulsating as Pandora's holding. Yeah, it's just that this box compresses her, squishes her, turns her into just a you know a bloody cube, and then Pandora just takes the blood and smears it across her face, praying to the gods, you know, give me strength to take on Psycho Gorman, you know. And then, well, that's the thing too, though. What we see also is she starts to glow as the camera starts to cut. Mm-hmm. I think she needed the blood to turn herself into a human. Yeah, that was her yeah. way of yeah, being they, able to transform. So, but yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It's like, hey, this bitch is evil. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the reactions from the Planetary Alliance when she does that, like just the open mouth gasping of all the Planetary Alliance members at the table, including like my favorite ones, the big uh, brain that's in the glass case. That's sitting oh. in the space <laughs> all he does is gasp. That's all he's there to do yes. is to just open his mouth, you know, and just be shocked by everything. He, yeah, it's like he, he had the least facial features, but at the same time, he was giving the most facial expressions <laughs> out of everyone at the council. <laughs> yeah. um, and then when we go back to Earth, we have Mimi and Luke walking with their best friend, Alistair, to go see PG, and Luke is carrying this big television. I love the fact that it's a boxy television, something that you would find in the 90s. Not a plasma tube screen, TV. not a little tablet. No. It's a tube TV. Can I get some help? No. God damn it. Tube TV, the big, the big screen TV was a projection style big screen. Like this movie feels like it's taking place in like the late 90s. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It worked in its favor, the fact that, like the monkey said, there's no cell phones, there's no smart, you know, TVs or anything like that. It's all kind of based in the 90s without saying that they're in the 90s. Like it's just, it's and, just is in the time and, period. And there were no computers either, you know, all over the place. Yeah. So, again, 
you know, the, the computers were still rare in every household. Oh. So, the, yeah, that's Early what 90s. I thought. Early to mid, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, like, you know, by the late 90s, I think a lot, I think just about everybody had a computer by that point. Um, AOL was just way too big for you not to have one. Uh, I, I, yeah, me, me personally, I was a late bloomer. I didn't have a com- computer in my house until 2002. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, yeah. yeah I remember getting one from Sears, man. I, I put it on my Sears card. <laughs> Oh, that's twenty five point nine nine percent. Oh yeah, you find out real quick how fast twelve hundred can turn into like thirty two hundred. Yep. <laughs> but but yeah, like the king was saying, you know, they the kids go back to the shoe factory. They bring the big tube TV. You know, they bring him some entertainment. On you know, king, you want to say it? <laughs> Well, they they give him magazines, and she's like, "Come on, they're hunky boys." I don't like hunky boys. Or do I? <laughs> or do I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just that one. But, and then the the, the close up of his face, looking at the magazine, <laughs> he's seriously looking, considering looking the down. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all he needed was some like romantic closer. music, you know. Careless <laughs> yep. whisper playing in the background. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's considering what it would be like with the hunky boy. Um, but this is also where we get our information dump from PG about you know where he comes from. You know the story about being slaves of the Templars on the home planet Gygax. You know, like a whole fucking 1980s heavy metal video, like a guar yeah. heavy metal music video in the middle of this movie where he's a slave and he's got to wear this metal helmet and the Templars rule over everybody. And it's so cool and so metal until the point where he assembles an army of the Paladins of the Obsidian, which could be a fun band name for the, the Paladins of the Obsidian. I'm surprised there isn't one, but it's just they're the ones that are going to overthrow the Templars and feeding a bloodlust of PG, uh, who just wanted to destroy the galaxy. Just as, as soon as he got that power gem, he was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, I am fucking destroying the world. As you would if you're going to be an evil overlord. But the Templars eventually gained control of him. You were also you know, a slave for however many years. I mean, look what fucking Anakin Skywalker did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, he killed younglings. Yeah. Like, yeah. All of them. But, and you need Order that backstory, though, of PG. <laughs> yeah. You but, need but that yeah, backstory, of PG. Yeah. He's yeah, evil, but he's, I, he's I, a perfect I, Yeah. And I enjoyed it. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. Like, I wasn't expecting them to go that full bore and this low budget of a movie, like you said, with all of the world building that they just literally threw in your face, you know, of all the, you know, temples of the, I mean, uh, pyramids of the Templars, you know, that you know, the, the slaves of Gygax had to build for them. And the Templars are going around on their little, flo- you know, floating platforms, you know, all Hanna-Barbera style and shit like that. Um, it was just really, really cool world building, and then just for him to sit there and, you know, get the gems and get buffed up, and then we we have him, like you said, just going around and taking over the galaxy one planet at a time. It just goes to show, though, you have interesting characters and interesting design, and and you really take the time to put that love into it. You don't need a lot. You know what I mean? What we really get isn't a lot, but what's there is so right. dense. It makes it feel mm-hmm. like it is. Um, 
you know, and in a lot of ways, I mean, it's it's almost like the original Star Wars did, you know, where there really wasn't all that much thrown at you, and yet what was there was so meaty that it created an entire franchise, and you know, this I could I could easily see this becoming a bigger thing. You know, now hopefully what we don't get is, you know, a pitch black situation in which, you know, the first movie is, is filled with potential and then they try to go too far yeah. with the uh with the future. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then we also have we then we have the now the ongoing joke that's gonna happen the rest of the movie is he while he's still telling his backlash, um, Mimi gets bored and then interrupts him. So now, every time he gets into a point where he's going to start telling a story about his past, well, Barry, Mimi is going to start interrupting is. everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there is a point where, um, you know, later on in the movie when he's he's talking about something that happened, and then they just kind of fade away while he's still talking, and they go on to something else. Like, they don't even interrupt him. They just, like, they slowly fade his dialogue into the background so we can see the parents talking about something else. Like, no well, matter that, what his story is, it's just so boring. Well, that is because that was when they were talking about the battle on the Bridge of Souls while he was on his kick-ass mm-hmm. space bike with a giant monster floating in the cosmos as he was approaching it with his weapons. And then they're like, eh, anyway, I got to sit there and redo my schedule. Let's see here. And <laughs> <laughs> just it cuts away. But, yeah, so... It's made with children's sensibilities, you know. As parents, we know what that's like. You know, the fucking kid's attention span is like a fart, dude. It's there and it's gone. (laughs) But, and it's because of, uh, when we go back to the house and we have uh, Alistair over for dinner, you know, and they're they're eating that really bad chicken (laughs) we talked about, um, Mimi is kind of bored. She wants to just throw basketballs at, uh, you know, her brother with Alistair watching because there's a little bit of a connection for her with Alistair where she has a crush. He's completely oblivious to it. But once they go away to play video games, Mimi summons PG to go to the house because she wants to make Alistair a very affectionate playmate. And, of course, PG, yes, I remember one time when I did a love spell for the intergalactic species. It worked out very well. And she's like, yeah, do that to him right now. As you wish. (laughs) And so they him big fall in love. Alistair becomes a gigantic fucking brain creature with two big googly eyes and tentacles <laughs> that flop around like cranes from the <laughs> Come on, Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> right? And you can hear him when he's like muffled cries and he's just kind of shaking around. But I love the fact that when Susan and, and Greg, the parents, see PG outside, they freak out. They don't really even notice the fact that Alistair's a brain creature now. They jump over it. Yes, the dad <laughs> jumps to, right you know, over him. <laughs> you know, to get to, to the creature, and they're like, oh, my God, who is that? And Mimi's like, don't worry about it. He's cool. I have this gem I can control. And he's like, be afraid. Be concerned. I will kill you. I will kill you. I will kill you. <laughs> and they're like, this is fucked up. But then they cut automatically to a montage. Montage. Uh, well, yourself. I love the dad hiding behind the mother, you know, because you know, he knew he was way, way overmatched there. So, so it's definitely going to mom. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just it's the the whole thing of you know, oh, don't be afraid, be afraid. <laughs> you know, I'm going to kill you. And so they cut to the montage of "Frick Yourself," which is like a garage band with PG on drums. You have the brain creature Alistair on keyboards. 
you have Luke on guitar, then of course Mimi has to be the lead singer. And just seeing him walk around town eating ice cream, the little kid's like, hey, you look like a fucking loser, and he just explodes. But it's a whole full-on montage, man. It's not just a, a montage about music. It's a montage about them walking around town. And then they even make it a fashion montage because that's what mm-hmm. Dancy's going to do. It's a fucking fashion montage it's, in this fucking movie. It's so great. <laughs> You're trying on all these different fashions. Then you have the, the mom, Susan, sitting there wearing a dress and sunglasses and just like, no, 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 that doesn't work. Thumbs up, thumbs up. No, no, that doesn't work. Like, sitting next to her daughter, just being okay with a gigantic alien that just invaded their lives for some reason. <laughs> no, he's incredibly evil. He's like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just do this. You know, and it's just a fun moment. Like I said, it's a, a very 90s kid movie moment where you have, like, a creature having fun with the, the, the kids. You know, set to some kind of fun music, except this one's pretty, yeah. I love it when PG turns the basketball into his flaming skull and throws it at the garage door and he goes into the living room and of course his dad's trying to watch TV and he goes oh my god what the fuck what the fuck <laughs> curling up in the fetal position as he's because looking at he the like because during what he even looks like he's weeping okay. a little bit you know <laughs> yeah, because because during the montage, the dad is so lazy. He's he can't even be an active part of the montage. He's watching the montage on TV because that's how lazy of a dad he is. Yeah, he's singing along to it and like just enjoying it, and then that that flaming you know skull breaks through and, and destroys the TV. Um, so we got to a point where PG is trying to get Luke to get the gem back because Mimi's sleeping with it and enjoying it. So get it back and I'll, I'll scare you when the rampage happens. But Luke is more afraid of Mimi than he really is of PG. Cause he's like, I can't do that. Like, I, no, I mean, you don't know Mimi like I do. So sorry. He's like, well, I guess we're just going to have to wait for this night to finish on. So right, then you got to stand there and wait for the fucking dream. Man. <laughs> yeah. But see, you just have to then this movie just keeps getting weirder because, okay, we have the alien invaders going on. You know, uh, we have the alliance going on. What does this movie need now? A fucking zombie scene. You know, let's throw in some fucking zombies. Why the fuck not? <laughs> because we've done everything well, else was, uh, yeah. so far. That was a phantasm homage from the original phantasm because the same thing happens. Um, you know, little Jody wakes up and there's a bunch of zombies crawling towards his bed and the tall man standing behind the bed trying to terrify him. So that, to me, was a phantasm, you know, homage. Ah, okay. It kind of made sense to me because I'd seen that movie and I knew where it was coming from. But, no, I think what's even more strange is the fact that the next day when they're playing Crazy Ball, PG is dressed up like Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. (laughs) 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 Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, He's got the shades on, he's got the hat, he's got the red bandana around his neck, the blue shirt tucked in the cow. I was like, oh, my God, this is Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. I <laughs> like talking to voice, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was like, okay, so we're, we're firmly planting ourselves in the 90s with this reference to, to Jurassic Park <laughs> and the fact that PG looks like that. Not understanding the rules of Crazy Ball at all, which is a running gag in the movie. To the point where he asked Alistair as the brain creature. Because there are no rules. 
five points for a butt shot, and then there's the, you know, then there's the switcheroo, and like, it's just it's, it's <laughs> completely just you know a malgus game that has no rules. Um, What's so funny is it's like it's so realistic because God, you know how many times as a kid, like you're just bored, you got your friends, and you just came up with something, and it wasn't good enough to ever play it again. It was like you know whatever, it was just fun at that moment, and you're never going to think about that game again in any way. You know that's how like I felt watching them play this, like you know like yeah, it's hysterical because it's really as random as it can get. Like I don't understand the point system. I don't understand what they're what no. they're doing, the spinning, the jumping jacks, all these different things. But I didn't need to because it just looked like a blast no. for them to no. play. It's like one part dodgeball, one part insanity. Well, that's why I said it was just straight up Calvin ball, you know. Or if you want to sit there yeah. and go to it, it is, it's like the Goldbergs with ball ball. Ball ball. <laughs> yeah. Well, it gets ball ball. Yeah, very much. Very ball much ball. so ball ball. ball. <laughs> Um, but the game, it doesn't even get a chance to kick off because Alistair has to leave. And do you think I'll ever be the same again? No, you're not. But, hey, I'll be your best friend forever. See you later, Alistair. And then you get to see if I can crawl away as the police roll up. For some reason, for no reason, no explanation, the police roll up. They're like, oh, my fucking God, dude. Like, where are you? Put your hands up. Like, there's this weird alien creature on, on full property. And he... PG deflects the bullets, and he's like, the bullet should hit you. I was like, uh, oh, I just love it. He's evil through and through, but, yeah. God, my gun's on. Here we, here we have the reserve police force for Haddonfield coming up <laughs> with their firearms because <laughs> they're just as inept as yeah. everyone else. <laughs> the Halloween five and then, that play, like, the clown music, whoop, 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 like, you know, as they're walking up to the stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> PG dispatching the one and turning him into essentially like a body horror biocop, where his fucking yes. face melts and the gun melts in the tank, like, you know, running around. I'm like, oh my god, this fucking rules. Like, this is fucking insane. Like, it's the greatest. And he keeps trying to blow his head off, but for some reason the bullets aren't killing him. And then, so po- po- and then po- poor man Daniel Bryan is the other cop, and he, he, he gets a chance to run away. Asking his partner if he has the keys to the car as his face is coming inside out. Where are the keys, man? <laughs> he just runs off, you know. Um, it's just, it was so – because this guy's wandering around just completely inside out trying to kill himself as they're walking through the woods. You know, so it's just a random home. gunfire. He's <laughs> shooting at anything that works, not being able to kill himself, and that's when the paladins of the city arrive. And PJ was like, oh, you got my message. All right, kill the children. And like, what the hell, man? Get the gym back and kill the kids. He's like, all right. But they turn yeah. on him, and they're like, yeah, sorry. That's not going to work because yeah. we're the ones that yeah. fucked you over. Yeah. We're having a great time, dude. <laughs> we're all taking turns as the king. I have the crown on today. I'm the king. Um, I, just, I love the creature that's basically just a barrel full of dead body parts. That just shoots boys. Like, that was my favorite. Yeah. It had no yeah, purpose. Was, yeah, because I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, if the ghoul was feeling heavy Power Ranger vibes before, as soon as this lot showed up, I was like, yeah, this is definitely the B squad of Power Rangers villains who's showing up here to help out BG. 
Yeah, yeah, or, you know, yeah, like, these are the creatures that, you know, she'll, uh, the lady will turn into Robeasts in Voltron, you know? Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) The witch. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Witchmaster, you have Death Scream. Agatha, I think was her name? Yes, yes, Agatha. (laughs) <laughs> but with, with with these groups, you know, that when they said we, we are fine the way things are, so we are not going to kill the kids. We're actually going to kill you instead. This is going to be fun. Get rid of you once and for all. I love how the bio cop Shadow. starts kicking him when he's down. <laughs> and the bio cop is kicking him in the side, waving the gun in the air, <laughs> trying to join in on the fun of beating up on PG. And all he has to do is say he's sorry to Mimi for saying I wanted them dead. And he's like, Overlord, do not apologize. Okay, bye. <laughs> Wait. Okay. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here you go. You know, go ahead, and, Easy, do your thing. And no, oh, and so then good. she does a straight up Sailor Moon thing where she har- somehow harnesses oh, yeah. more of the, the gym that she wasn't able to before because PG makes a, a statement. She doesn't know how to use it. And then she does a spin and a twirl straight up Sailor Moon shit. And then you see the th- her whole body <laughs> and the gym light up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's what leads to him just tearing off the Alan Grant clothes and just kicking ass. Uh, he punches the barrel in the fucking mirror, you know, in the mirror like lens and oh no, and <laughs> just starts bleeding all over the place. Like that's how easily you could do that one. Oh, it's just beating up on on stars on Deathstream and then uh, cutting off the head of Witchmaster. Like there's so much going on. Which is but it's just which so is great. great because Deathstream is I mean it's so clearly a Dark reference Dream. to Starscream, you know, who in yeah. Transformers mm-hmm. yeah. constantly fucking Megatron over because he just <laughs> wanted to rule the Decepticons. <laughs> yes. But he handles everybody so well. Like, he jams the two tree limbs into the bio cop's eyes, and then it just melts away into the ground. Um, and then earlier you found out from PG that the best way to die is the warrior's death, which means that you get devoured. Like, if you were defeated, you're going to get – and that's oh, the most no, honorable way that. to die. <laughs> it's clearly yeah. not. It's clearly PG just being an asshole. But this is not the honorable way to die. It's like, terrified. And just seeing his jaw open up like an anaconda and just swallow a death tree. And then start vomiting yeah. the blood. <laughs> yeah, it's just this scene. It's like, I, I, yeah, it's just when his jaw does what, you know, all wide open. It's just like, like, you know, the first time I watched this, I was literally like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I didn't uh-huh. see that coming at all. <laughs> It was just no, so and when he, said, top, when he like, said it, like, you know, when he first said it was like an honorable thing, like, you know, like, like a doofus, like, I actually, like, believed it as if, like, this is something that goes on in these alien cultures. So, like, the first time you hear the guy go, oh, no, you know, like, it was like, oh, okay, that was kind of weird, you know, but then, it, then the fact that it became a running gag for the next, uh, the next time that it happens, like, yeah, I love it. I thought it was so great. It was so messy. So, again, such a great job with so little money and just just, just a great idea. It just, just goes to show. A fantastic idea goes so far. Just the practical effect of seeing his jaw completely unhinged and just open up real wide and swallow Death Scream up and then him starting to vomit. 
and then roll over onto the ground because he realized that their weapons were poisoned, you know, and that's why he's dying. And he's like, well, we need help. <laughs> we're not going to make it. I need to get the gem. I need to get the power. So who else are you going to call that you're going to have to call up to the dad? It was just Oh, we're getting a new TV. I love how he's like, I think I'm going to take a couple weeks off because my hand looks like you're going to have to pick up a couple extra shifts at the pharmacy. Sorry. Like, oh, little asshole. <laughs> he just says it so genuinely. Like, sorry. But, well, but this, is when the dad, this is when the dad literally gets the shit scared out of him. <laughs> it's my favorite scene in the entire movie. Like, I rewound it like three times so I couldn't stop laughing. Just to see the little, like, dot of light just crossing across the bathroom, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, what's that? I don't think I'll touch it. Oh, help me find me. The family will die. What the frick? Oh, I don't even know where to go. Stop on the ravine of Highway 11 next to Royerstown Avenue. Oh, I don't even know where that is. Turn left and go down to the still life. Fuck you, you beat me to it. I wrote down all the instructions too in case you missed it. <laughs> it was so fucking funny. Just this screaming face. And then he just disappears and he has to come back and tell him where to go. What the frig? What the frig? But he does come in the pickup truck. Oh, you have to move over, Psycho, because we need to put my you know wagon in the back. <laughs> you just see him inch over so they can put the wagon in the back next to him. <laughs> it, it's so great. Like I just, I, I loved every second of that. Like the, the fact that he's so scared, the fact that the head's turning at him. But then you also find out that Pandora, as her human form, is talking to the police to find out where Psycho is, which leads her back to the house. So when the father and Mimi and Luke return home with, with PG, she's waiting for them saying, you don't know how evil this guy is. Just get out of the truck, and I'll take care of the rest. Simple as that. You know, and everybody can be safe. But Mimi's not having it because she's still on Psycho Gorman's side. You know, she's not going to let him be taken down by this woman. we got to fight. No, she, no, she's on her side, and Psycho Gorman is on her side. Well, I'm saying that Luke and <laughs> the mom are on Pandora's side. Mimi and the dad are on, you know, Psycho Gorman's side because Greg, the father, is like, well, I'm tired of being your little bitch. Which is funny because he's allying himself with Mimi, who's just as big, if not a bigger bitch, than his wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's just the, the line right. that he has about being a slave. He's like, oh, I know all about that, right, honey? <laughs> not helping yourself here, Greg. <laughs> you know? But it's it's the the dividing of the family. So you have Luke and Susan siding with Pandora to to get PG and send him back wherever he needs to go. Mimi and Greg taking off to the abandoned shoe factory just to kind of figure out what to do next while PG is slowly dying. So give me the gem and we'll be okay. I I won't kill. Your family. I won't kill you. I won't kill your dad. The rest of the universe is fine. They're going to die. Like they're they're going to be dead. So 
<laughs> you guys Which I fine, thought but... from the start, the whole poisoning thing was like a total ruse, and he just wanted the gem back, and this was his way of doing it. Um, so, so I did like the fact that, that they, kind of, they kind of tricked me there. I mean, he was no, I think he was really poisoned. And, um, yeah. So, no, so yeah, you know, did, for me did, being did, cynical. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I could see that because, but you could just tell that he really, in that moment, he is very vulnerable. Like when he's when he's in that blanket laying on the couch, like he, there's no trick. Like he is he is literally dying. He needs that gem in order to survive. But Luke has it, you know. And she can't find it in her bag. And during this time, Susan has drank the the elixir of Pandora and has become a Power Ranger herself. Like epic Power Ranger. <laughs> when she comes bursting through that door, step aside. I'll take care of this. Like oh wow. <laughs> you know? And Greg's like, come well, on, honey, you want to think about this for a second? <laughs> okay. If we can, I want to backtrack for a second, though, just because before all this yeah. happens, Mimi takes a second to go to her office and pray. Huh. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> I mean, that was, like, the most fucked up thing, but also the best thing. <laughs> Okay. It's so because it's the whole this thing of Pandora and the Templar sorry, I was just gonna say this, just to preface what you're gonna say. You know, as if the whole thing with the Templars and Pandora weren't already the obvious allegory to organized religion and this director's yeah. thoughts on it, you then have this monkey. <laughs> so Please, we have our little we we have our little demented bitch come in and go into her office, and there we see her kneeling before God, you know, the, the crucifix, you know, and she's like, you know, I have something. We know we don't normally talk like everyone else does, but I got something really important I need to ask you. And then she holds up two pairs of sunglasses. She goes, is it the zebra or the regular? She goes, oh, it's just your question. We all know it's always going to be the zebra. And plus, it doesn't matter what you say because there's a new, because there's a new god in town, <laughs> and that's the Psycho Gorman. And then she takes the crucifix and breaks it over her fucking knee and throws it behind her back. Fucked up out of left field scene in the entire movie. After all these over the top things we've seen, and that one was like, oh my god. <laughs> What? <laughs> Throw the crucifix and threw it away. Bye. She might be more evil than PG. I think at this point. Like I said, again, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, you know, the, the, the director has his thoughts. You know, the writer has his thoughts on it, and that was already there. But, like, to take it to this next level was just like, yeah, it's that, that, that little that little touch that is just almost – it's almost one of those where you kind of go, hmm, was that too much? I don't know. I think about this a little bit. Oh, it was only a kid. It was only a little girl. You know, what? it's harmless. It's not like an adult did it. <laughs> like, even Damien from the Children like, go to hell We're going to find out <laughs> yeah. I, I, If they do I think she's going But, um, but after This sequence and then we get uh, Susan showing up as, as one of the Templars We have PG challenging Pandora To a fight according to the Templars code 
So Mimi has yes. to be the one to select the battle, and she chooses Crazy Ball. So you get the sequence of everybody standing around as the rules are being dictated. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand the rules. Well, too bad. I told you, so we have to play the game now. <laughs> But what, what, what's the switcheroo again? I told you what the rules are. We're playing now. Okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's just seeing it happen. I love that they show it happening no fucking sense. Like, you're watching everything happen. You're like, well, what does that mean? Like, okay, well, she got hit. Okay, well, there's five, there's five points for the butt shot? Like, what, what is this now? Watching it in action, it makes Dude, jumping jack. Running for a little fucking second. Thing. Okay. You don't know what the hell a jumping jack is? <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it's just the fact that you just have no idea what the hell is going on. And then at one point, you have Luke and Mimi reconciling during the battle, and they sing uh, the Frick Yourself song with Greg joining in, because that's going to reunite them. Because the reprise. Because Luke spinning a bit. And yeah, it's a little, to, to it's a little bit back. slower. So, it's a little sweeter. You know. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Frick yourself, frick yourself. It's the unplugged, like, you know. it's the MTV unplugged <laughs> version. Again, 90s. <laughs> yeah. And I love Dora. And Dora, you have PG being horrified because she damages Hunky Boys magazine. <laughs> That's an unforgivable <laughs> offense. My Hunky Boys! That's going to be the death call. Who... Who brought out their vibrator? Decided to just like kill like the world's biggest mosquito. Yeah, I just I loved it. <laughs> I, I don't think he heard that. I, I I think he missed all of it. I think he I think that was his vibrator because he didn't hear us over the vibrator. So that must have been the king's giant vibrator. <laughs> Shaped like PG. <laughs> <laughs> so the king, so the king does like hunky boys. <laughs> what? I do. I love hunky boys. I love no, hunky dude, boys. They're the best. No, no, dude. While you were talking, seriously, all we heard from you was just this uh, for like five seconds. <laughs> oh. So we were, so we were saying you brought out your vibrator, and you were like, and I really like that. <laughs> I do like that. I mean, what's wrong with the vibrator? I like, I like my puppy and Chuck coming out, man. No, it was actually my headset dying, so, yeah. That's my bad. My headset died. Uh, I had to it. So, I was like, fuck, I was like, at the worst point, I'm talking about this. That makes more sense than a vibrator. <laughs> We're not judging. Probably yeah, but at least you can hear me. <laughs> but, yeah, so... We get that, you know, the Hunky Boys magazine being ripped, and that's when they finally decide to give the gem to Peachy so he can become the ultimate god and finally destroy Pandora, which that's what you want to do. Give the, the gem back to the god. So, well, he said he wouldn't kill us, so we're good. Well, yes, because Psycho Gorman has learned something new. He's learned a new power. He's learned the power of love. Hmm. And he's gonna, and he's gonna use that. And he's gonna use, <laughs> and he's gonna use that to destroy the entire world, except your family, because <laughs> you're cool. <laughs> yeah. 
fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You guys are cool. I'm out. <laughs> I have planets to conquer. <laughs> but of course, like like the the ghoul had said, we get our second warrior's death of Pandora as she's been defeated. She's like, oh god, no. <laughs> I will give you a warrior's death. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Wait, what's going to happen? Oh, you guys don't need to see this. <laughs> we already know what's going to happen. You guys don't have to be here for this. Like, let's just go out and see a new day. <laughs> I love that the father is, like, so out of it from having his hand, like, broken by PG. That he's like, you know what? We all learned something here today. <laughs> just sticks up in the space. And she's like, yeah, we have to get you home. <laughs> It's looking like he's gonna faint. (laughs) And it's it's PG going off after Pandora's been defeated, and I love the fact that Mimi blows him a kiss as he's about to leave, and he catches it and puts it to his chest, and then blows one right back to her. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget you. Then as soon as that wormhole opens up, you just see him automatically just firing off fireballs at random buildings, and people (laughs) lost their lives. Yeah, like when he first opened the portal, I'm like, oh, okay, he's gonna like he's gonna leave Earth alone because of the way like this all ended, you know. But no, no, like you see him go through, and you see like a person and some cars and like a little city, and it's like, oh man, he's really gonna fuck up the rest of the planet. <laughs> but <laughs> because that was the local news, <laughs> giant giant naked purple man <laughs> destroying cities. Yeah, Nicholas Purple Man. I love the fact that it's a Nicholas Purple Man, like destroying planets. And then when you cut away, you see Alistair back at home, still a gigantic brain, going to eat dinner with his family that are completely ignoring the fact that he's a gigantic brain. Like, they're just used to it now. <laughs> oh. I mean, what else? He's a tentacle. It's still your kid. you got to love it. <laughs> Yeah. But the tentacles flopping around as he's trying to get salad into his mouth and the two parents just sitting there not even looking at each other. It's just Yeah. This is our life now. This is where we're at. You know, our our tentacle son. But with that as you kick into the, the ultimate eighties like ballad, like the power ballad to, you know, end this movie. But it's not over yet because you have to get the Psycho Gorman title card but also the the, the council. So, uh, there's always a plan B. Who wants to kill themselves first? <laughs> pulls out a regular old gun. <laughs> yep, a regular pistol. <laughs> so who would like to kill themselves first? And everybody raises their hand first. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, if it was in a perfect world, if it was me directing this movie and Dave Brocky was still alive, I would have that movie end with Odorous Hirongas from Guar showing up at the head of that table it's like, it takes me light years derived from scum doggy, but I will take down this psycho core man. <laughs> and then he puts, part two. Oh. <laughs> you know, we have our psycho core man part two with Odor Sirongas taking down PG. Like, I would fucking pay for that movie. <laughs> he would have around. That's it. The true Clash of the Titans. Fuck that Godzilla over Kong shit. <laughs> PG versus Odorous. <laughs> what a concept. Converse Godzilla is your favorite movie of the year, bro. <laughs> well, so, yeah. So, 
that's uh, with Cycle Gorman in a nutshell. I mean, uh, again, it's on Shutter. If you guys have Shutter uh, at home and you want to watch it, uh, definitely a fun time. I think it's, it's got something for everybody in there. And it's definitely a hit to the nostalgia factor for people like us who grew up in the 80s and 90s. So um, I'm glad that you guys had a lot of fun with it. But uh, next week we are going to the monkey for his film pick of the week. What do you have for us? All right, man. Uh, we have been Okay, uh, we're, we're going uh, to a movie that we've been talking a lot on the show about, the, 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 the Crush movies that have been going on. You know, movies like The Crush, The, the, um, the Temp, all that kind of stuff. But we're going to a movie I've never seen, but in my opinion... Is somebody breaking up? I'm not breaking up with you. I'm staying with you, babe. Okay. <laughs> all right, but we're going to a movie that, in my opinion, has pretty much started all of these, but I've never seen. So we're going to sit there and go to, in, in, in my opinion anyway, what started the craze in the 90s for all of these psycho bitch movies. And we're going to go Fatal Attraction. Okay. All right. Adrian Lynn, Michael Douglas, going close. Okay. I mean, it's an 80s movie, but yeah, it definitely kicked off something in the 90s, I think. You know, with those... those uh, the Fatal Crush films. So, interesting choice, Monkey. All right, Fatal Attraction. I'm in the... I'll have to... I have to make sure that the, uh, my rabbit can't see the uh, the TV. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah, it's yeah, just, you know... It might be questionable. I, I've ne- it's one of those movies where it's like everyone thinks they've seen it, but, you know, a lot of them haven't. And I realize that the diva and I have never seen it. So, yeah. That's where we're going to go next week. Weird-ass 80s, kind of sexy, uh, suspense thriller kind of movie. <laughs> very, I mean, very cool. Yeah, it's two very questionably sexy people, Glenn Close and Michael Douglas, so we'll find out. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's not, not my joke. <laughs> yeah, it's not Kathleen Turner and, and William Hurt, I know, but, you know, uh, they don't... Fatal Attraction's there. <laughs> so that'll be next week uh, where we get sexy with uh, Fatal Attraction. So good choice. I'm looking forward to it. So thank you so much for joining us, Monkey, for Psycho Gorman, and go ahead and sign yourself off. Again, thanks for the pick, King. It was great fun to watch this movie again. And on the Mad Monkey saying thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror. And let it come in your ear. <laughs> That's it? You're not going to blow up a kiss or nothing? Okay. Oh, oh good, good night, way. everybody. <laughs> yeah, really. You're going to make a sexy pick, and then you're not going to blow us a kiss tonight? Okay. Well, all right. Well, that's fine. I mean, I got <laughs> it. <laughs> there we go. That's a, like a little bit of that oral play. All right. He's back to it. All right. All right. So, Angul, as for yourself, if you want to go ahead and sign yourself off for tonight's episode. I like hunky boys. You like hunky boys. <laughs> we all like hunky boys. Stay scared, everybody. (laughs) Stay scared. Who doesn't love a good hunky boy? Me and my vibrator do. Can't wait to read that play dude later. Go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Got one weather and mattress. 1986, good year. Looking at you, Rob Lowe. (laughs) Can't wait to check you out later and play dude. (laughs) As for me, you're all talking RAGG. Thank you so much for listening to tonight's episode. Hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous, hail Gygax. 
Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Until next time, folks. Honky boys.